So this week, the World Press Freedom Rankings was published with the shocking revelation that Ghana had dropped a whole 100% from 30 uh, in the world to 60. But if you still drill down to the specifics in terms of the key indicators, our poorest performance was on the economic indicator that measures the economic circumstance of the Ghanaian journalists. Yes, this week we had focused on the safety of journalists, the threat we face in doing this job, this job we love. But tonight here on Ghana Connect, we'll focus on our poorest indicator, just how bad the journalist's working condition is. Journalists are so poorly paid, the Press Freedom Index scored us 47% below average. We talk about everyone else's poor working condition, but never talk about our own working condition. Tonight, we're doing just that. Listen to the TUC General Secretary and the NMC boss this week. We are also talking about private sector employees. You know, you those people in the media, you know how you are suffering. The trade union congress, some time ago, did a survey and, and I feel like the media, I mean, was a lot on the scale of, of salary structure. I mean, it shocked people. So we often say the teacher's reward is in heaven. Where is the journalist's reward? Here on earth? Or in heaven? Or somewhere else? We're connecting Ghana and beyond journalists and non-journalists to talk about this. As I say, what you get is what you pay for. Is that the reason for the quality? Is that the reason for um, this, the threat possibly that we become succumbing to? The influence, the control, the politicians dictating the terms because nobody respects a journalist if you're so poorly paid why would they respect you you're reflecting here on ghana connect make sure you join us we connect after the break the other day, I visited Kweku at his spunky new office to congratulate him on opening his business. And man, was I impressed. The business is just moving quick. The sales, customers, everything is just working seamlessly. The secret, mm, he said, it's empty and business broadband. In this fast-paced environment, we need fast and reliable internet to support all business types. No laggy online meetings, great download and upload speeds, impeccable business management systems, all inclusive. I mean, you can have it all. I signed on immediately. <laughs> to enable your business stay ahead and stay connected, make sure you're signed on to the best internet made just for businesses. MTN Business Broadband. Sign up today on broadband.mtn.com.gh and manage your account on my MTN app. Call 0244-308-111 for more information. MTN. Son, we are so proud of you for setting up this hospital. I really love those hospital beds and waiting chairs. By the way, did you import them? No, Dad, I didn't. I actually got them from Kindle Books and Stationery right here in Ghana. Wow. We also bought our office supplies, safes, executive desks, and chairs from Kingdom, and they gave us expert advice on how to set up our office. Guys, that makes three of us. I also got our sofa and bedroom sets, plus our dining hall furniture for our new home from Kingdom. Wow, Mom, that makes four of us. I usually get my stationery items from Kingdom. And my teacher also mentioned that our classroom furniture was provided by Kingdom. So there you have it. Whenever you're thinking about setting up an office or acquiring furniture for your home, etc., Kingdom Books and Stationery should be your first point of call. With over 40 years' experience in the industry, we stock and supply a wide variety of globally sourced office and home furniture, stationery, and equipment. Visit our head office, Osu Akwaje, or our office near the Osu Stadium. We're also in Tema Community 1, opposite Olam SHF, Kumase K and USD Campus, UCC. Cape Coast and now at the Marina Mall Airport City or call us 0302 764109 We have a wide range of life insurance packages to suit all pockets from individuals, groups, associations, and businesses. We cover your employees, your funerals, pensions, children's education, and your future. Call us on 0302-267-892 or visit our website 
www.alliance-gh.com for more inquiries. Alliance Life, we secure your future. Love your mother. Do you think she deserves a life of goodness? If we gave you a bottle of Frito vegetable oil and a bag of Fortune Delight rice, what meal would you prepare for your mum on Mother's Day? Could there be an emotional or sentimental story behind your mother's favorite rice dish? How about asking Mama to relax in a cozy environment while you cook that special meal for her? If you want to do all this for Mama, just send us a photo of you and your mum, along with the story behind the meal and the ingredients for it. Share all this with us via WhatsApp on 055-1111-997 and simply stay tuned in. We will call you with the next steps. There are lots of other amazing prizes up for grabs in the Cook for Mama promotion. Cook for Mama is brought to you by Frytol. You deserve a life of goodness in vitamin A fortified oil. Woodin. Shop Woodin's Mother's Day collection for your mum or mother figure from Woodin retail shops and points of sale. Woodin. Le Createur. A Yiwa restaurant. Food is the ingredient that binds us all together. Mobile Doctors Ghana Limited. Doctors at your homes and offices. City and Habitat. Rent to own. Cook for Mama because she deserves a life of goodness. Businesses know how important it is to create a productive and supportive working environment by investing in employees' health. With a leading international track record, Apex Health Insurance is licensed to provide medical insurance services to corporate organizations and SMEs. We also have international LH Blue Cover and TPAs to cushion you. Multinational companies, factories, and government agencies focus on your business while Apex Insurance takes care of your health. Visit Apex Health Insurance office at Zion House, Boundary Road, Shiashi, Kumase, Opsit Prempe College, Sofo Line, and Takrade Market Circle. For further inquiries, call 0501-562-962 or 0501-552-495. Apex Health, your preferred health insurer. Live on Joy 99.7 FM, and this is Ghana Connect. My name is Evans Mensah. And so this week, the World Press Freedom Rankings was published with the shocking revelation that, that Ghana had dropped a whole 100% from 30 in the world to 60. I want us to drill down a bit. If you do that, the specifics in terms of the key indicators, you will notice that our poorest performance was on the economic indicator that measures the economic circumstances of the Ghanaian journalists. Yes, this week we had focused on the safety of journalists, the threat we face in doing this job, and rightly so, because the cases of the journalists being abused and threatened and not feeling uh, safe and secure and self-censoring as the report that captured Israel. But tonight, we focus on that part we don't talk about often when it comes to the economic condition of the journalists. So let me give you the specifics of what they measured and how they scored us on these key indicators. On the political indicator, the extent to which we become susceptible to political control and influence, we scored 66%. On the legislative indicator, we scored 81%. On the social indicator, how the society generally, uh, the pressures from society uh, comes to bear on us, so churches, etc., um, what they do in terms of their relationship with the media. 
we scored 79%. And then the security indicator, that bit that, of course, is of major paramount concern to all of us. Talking about the safety of the journalists, etc. We scored 62%. But here's it. The economic indicator, we scored 47%. That's how poor it is. We are so poorly paid. This is the reality of the measurement when they change the methodology. We talk about everyone else's poor working condition, but never, never talk about our own. So this is what others have been saying about us, including a journalist himself and the National Media Commission. We are also talking about private sector employees. You know, you those people in the media, you know how you are suffering. Union Congress some time ago did a survey and, and after that the media I mean was the last on the scale of, of salary structure. I mean it shocked people. Quite honestly, both both us um, from the point of being just a regular employee to now uh, and sitting at the table relative to management. The reality is that the journalist's salary is not the best. But it is one of the reasons why the Journal Journalist Association is sought to become an affiliate of the trade union so that they could negotiate on behalf of, of media person. The other thing is a reality of some that some of the media houses, their capital base is very low and their output in terms of their turnover is very low. And so when very careful and in, in, in the days of the reality is that there are many, many of the media houses that are, I mean, they merely act a living. They live from hand to mouth. the truth that's the truth the truth there as as articulated by the chairperson of the national media commission that many journalists will live from hand to mouth hand to mouth that that's that's the truth that's a basic hard truth and the songwriter there in the background says something very interesting he says if the town inside goes sweet you it depends on your pocket in real terms your pocket determines the quality of your lifestyle um it is very very true it is very very true of the journalists and now the, the world press freedom index is, is measuring that and the party hasn't done so they changed the methodology and, and measured measured that we, we, we're terrible um in terms of in terms of how much we earn but then it, it has so many implications implications on the quality of the work we do the the influence that others exert on us politicians businesses advertisers everybody else knows our jobs better than we do because they know we're so poorly paid so tonight, uh, we, we'll talk about that because this is the fourth estate of the realm, right? That's the fourth arm of government. But the fourth arm of government is the most poorly paid. Uh, forget about what the politicians tell you. And, and the civil servants, by the way, who we talk for almost all the time. So we're connecting Ghana and beyond to have a conversation tonight. Wherever you are, join us. Don't say, yeah, I'm not a journalist, but this doesn't, uh, you, you know, you don't care about this. You do. You listen to me. Every evening, you read the, the newspapers. You go online and read the stories. It's written, they're written by journalists, you know. Um, you know how they fare. You should care about that. Yeah. 
So, connecting with me uh, tonight uh, to have this uh, conversation, a, a collection of journalists, non-journalists, those who have uh, departed and left the profession altogether because uh, they simply uh, can no longer, you know, bear the, the pain of, uh, of doing this job, uh, to have this conversation. Benjamin Tete uh, has over 16 years of journalism practice in Ghana and other parts of Africa. Uh, he's, he's a recent graduate of the New York University, of uh, a contributor to the UN News and the BBC. Now, the thing about Benjamin is he has the best of both worlds because he practiced here in Ghana, um, you know, uh, in Accra, but also practiced in the rural community. So he has a good understanding of the, the challenges that uh, the Ghanaian journalist faces. Uh, he previously served as a producer and host of the West Africa Democracy uh, Radio, uh, based in Senegal, was a board member of, for the Africa Premium Investigative Journalism. Uh, and, and he's now uh, doing his job in the USA, after, first of all, doing it in the rural community in Accra, in Ghana, and then doing it in Greater Accra, and then now he's doing it in the U.S. He, he comes to this with a very unique perspective to this. I wonder whether this is, a, is as bad everywhere else. Benji. Hello, hey, Benji. Thanks. Great to have you uh, connected with us, Benji. Uh, and you're Thank you, and happy press freedom. Oh, great, 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 great. I wonder if there's anything happier <laughs> about the press freedom uh, day that we celebrated this week. Uh, guess who else is joining me? My former colleague, uh, Anil Sabut. A former colleague because he's no longer a journalist. Uh, he, he abandoned ship, jumped off the cliff, uh, landed a very, you know, greener pastures, you know. Uh, anytime teases me, never brings a solid, but he joins us on, the, on, the, on, on Zoom right now. Hello, Annie. Anil Sabuti. Anil Sabuti. Hi, Evans. Good evening. Great. Um, thank you very much for having I can hear me. I can hear you loud and clear. Yeah, I can hear you. Yes, I can. Yeah, thank you very much for for, for having me on the show. Um, yes, I'm, I'm not mainstream, but I'm still very much part of ah, please. journalism. Anil Sabuti, please, please, please. You, you, you stay with me. I, Don't. I'm into... Uh-huh. Go on. I mean, you've been seeing my weekly article on my journal online and the Business and Financial Times and Prime News Guard. Uh, please, that doesn't so make I'm it. It doesn't mean you're, you're enjoying comfortably in the corporate world and deciding to every now and then write. You, you please, please, you, you stay with us. We'll, we'll talk to you. I think it's kind of connecting. He, he can now enjoy and you know and and, and write every now and then as he pleases. Uh, Elvis Daku is editor of the Final Newspaper. Uh, he connects on the phone. Hello, Elvis. Hello. Great to have you, Elvis. I'm, I'm delighted to, to talk to you because I know you. You've, we've done journalism for so, so long. Um, I wonder if um, you've seen the rewards yet. Uh, Mohammed is a journalist in Nigeria. Guess why we are connecting to him? Uh, maybe the Nigerian journalists do better. Uh, maybe this is very peculiar to us here uh, in Ghana. Uh, let's, let's, let's gauge that a bit more. Um, hello, Mohammed. Hey, hello, Charlie. Hey, always, always, always a delight to talk to you, Mohammed. I, I'm sure when we get to talk, I'll, I'll possibly would like to, uh, you know, apply to your to your media network because I'm pretty sure Nigeria pays far more naira than than, than we pay city locally. True or false? Well, but I, I can give you a teaser that uh, you know Niger and Niger and Ghana are always identical twins. You know. I see. Well, we'll see about that. And I'm also curious to learn from the journalists who are training to be, well, tra trainee journalists, students who are in journalism school who, who so dearly want to do this job. I'll tell you a story very soon um, about what we tell our, our children as journalists. Um, <laughs> it will be interesting. Uh, I've heard Anu Sabuti say this a million times when he was practicing. Uh, Anil will share that with us because he has uh, two lovely uh, children. Guess who else is connected with me? This man has done it all. He, he's been there and done it. Um, we are judging together and, and he decided to go into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness as far as journalism is concerned for so long. Kweko Usupipra is connecting the studio. He's a, a former journalist of the year. Um, a former journalist of the year right now should be driving a, a big, you know, V8 vehicle lips. <laughs> And <laughs> in the studio. Goku. Evans. <laughs> Why are you? Kakanga It's not easy. Oh no, it is. It is. Um, I mean, you don't want you don't want your family people listening to you <laughs> to call you after the show. Oh, but um, the life of a journalist in Ghana, it's it's hard. It's hard. Um, if if I'm to measure, especially in the rural areas. Um, 
I do not think that there are journalists in this country, in Takrade, reporters in Takrade, Kumase, Wa, anywhere, who is earning. I, I don't think there are 10 who earn more than 3,000 cities or 2,500 Ghana cities there. That is a money. As, as in 2022? Yes. In May? Yes. I mean, I, I know I know many journalists who are in these places, um, Nananum FM, whatever FM, you can name them, Liberty FM, Atsefi. Uh, the whole monthly revenue of the radio station is, if, if God gives them some grace, it's about 10,000 Ghana cities, okay. uh, within which you would pay electricity bills you will pay um, i mean the constant bills that is required to run a, a station how much is left to pay the reporters and news anchors and secretaries and all of those and many of these are run as tutobidi companies that most of these owners of the of the businesses can go to the accounts office and say Charlie, now, has somebody brought in some money? Then he would ask the accountant and take maybe the 500 Ghana cities or the 1,000 Ghana cities that has come into the, into the business. He pockets it, drives away, and then at the end of the month, he tells reporters and journalists stories and pays them 500 Ghana cities. Or 500 Ghana cities a month? Yes. Uh, you mean in May today? Today. 2022. Journalists. 500, 600, 800, if you're lucky, 1,000, 1,000, 2,005, there. It is terrible. Now, and so how are they paying? Is it like through a bank account or? Oh, most of them are tabletop. Like they, they count the money? They count the money. So, um, or 38th. <laughs> of a certain month. <laughs> More than a week into the yeah, new month. Yeah, 45th. So we are in what? May. So 45th May. That's like 15th of June. The accountant will call you and say, okay, so there's some money. Until today, you can get, um, if, if your salary is 12,200 cities, you can get 800 today. Uh, maybe 23rd. They're about... We when, are paid in installments. When, yes. When the, um, the man who sells Coquedro comes to pay his advertising money then we'll pay you okay so so stay with me because you you know this because you worked in i think tade and kumasi right i've worked in kumasi i've worked in takrade i've worked in brongahafo region okay so so stay with me i'll draw on that experience a bit more also connecting tonight is kemini hello kemini hi Evan. Hey, hi kemini, great to hear your voice and kemini by the way also abandoned us and went to the u.s <laughs> uh, and worked with a, a a local television channel kemini what's what's the name of that television channel you 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 work for kx news Fantastic. And uh, Kemeni, I'm delighted that you could join us. Gayhad Mensa uh, is seeking to lead the Ghana Journalists Association. Um, hello, Gayhad. Uh, Gayhad connects with us. Kemeni, Hi, Evans. Good evening. Great to have you, uh, Gayhad. Gayhad, stay with me. Kemeni, let me, let, let me pick your thoughts. And uh, first on, on this, also um, also connecting, as you know, is uh, my, my friend uh, from the final. But Kemeni, let me start with you. You, you. you are back in Ghana, from what I understand. I am. Are you backing? Are you backing journalism in Ghana? Well, let's see what happens because I, I do not want anybody to disrespect my skills. I do not want anybody to disrespect my worth by giving me something that I think that um, it's way lower than what, what what I think the value is for me, and I'm tired of playing that journalist or that anchor who wants to stay on television or wants to do the job and so you just take anything at all i will not do that anymore so let's see what happens okay that's interesting i mean um elvis do you understand why kemini is saying that i mean you've been in this job for so long is it is it fair to hate to say what she's saying knowing what you know in, in the industry what she said is it's even she, 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 she's even been charitable in her statement, okay? She's even been very charitable. Truth is that I've always clearly said it, that journalists are among the worst paid people.
people in this country, and there's no doubt about that. If you, if you, if you, you speak to journalists in the field, and you know how much people are paid, obviously you know that we are among the worst paid people in this country. The, but society expects so much of us. So I've always asked the question, public interest journalism is what everybody wants. But nobody is asking the question, who should fund that public interest journalism? And that is a critical topic that we need to discuss in this country. That if you want quality standard, you want to compare the Ghanaian journalists' work to what happens elsewhere, ask yourself, what are the conditions of service of that journalist? That, that is a critical topic that we have always shied away from. But until we discuss that issue, we will not be fair to people who are practicing in this. In fact, people have virtually worked and continue to work in this industry like slaves. We have situations where there are media houses where even the newsroom does not have an interest, where journalists are assigned to go on locations and how they will get their transportation and come back to the office, the company does not even take responsibility for that. But these are people we expect to go out there and get us the quality stories that we can compare anywhere else. So for me, the, the work of a journalist is such that it's, it's, it's that you need to understand how the journalist can get a good story and then you appreciate that it takes a lot of hard work for a journalist to get a good story. The public will jump after it and shout, oh, this is a good story. But they will not ask, how did the journalist get it? What are the financial costs? Aside the risks to your personal life, what, how much did it cost for a journalist to be able to go through these investigations or go through all these things to be able to produce this particular story? And yeah. for me, it's, it's, it's in fact, the, when, you remember this gentleman who, uh, with Ghanaian already, who killed an actress in the UK and ran to Ghana? Yeah. The uh, UK newspaper sent a reporter here to cover the story. And when he got here, he was with the company's credit card and was spending money. When I asked him, how do I can't say, oh, it's, it's company money. All I'm supposed to do is to go back there and give them receipts that when I was in Ghana, chasing this story, this is my expenditure. And the company will now ask me, why did I spend so much money? After he left and the case went to court, before the gentleman was extradited, I sent a reporter to the court to file that story for them. And for that single story, they sent the reporter 300 pounds. Hey. That 300 pounds is more than the entire monthly salary of that journalist who went to cover that story. For one story. For one story. They sent her 300 pounds. But that 300 pounds is more than the salary of that journalist that covered the story. Yeah. And this should tell you that one story for a newspaper in the UK, they were able to pay the journalist who covered it in Ghana for over 300 pounds. I see. You stay with me, Elvis. Quickly, quick, on the other point about what it takes to get a story. You won a Journalist of the Year award. I mean, that story didn't come easy. Um, so, one of the stories that won that award was um, after the collapse of a mining pit in Dunkwana Finn that afternoon. Um, I wanted to go. There was I was a correspondent then. There was. Uh, now it's better. So we have a system that pays yeah. correspondence some amount. At that time, there was no system like that. So I, my wife, who was then my girlfriend, I asked her if she could lend me some money. I get, she gave me 220 Ghana cities How long ago was this? On that fring, fringes. Uh, 2010. Okay. And then I drove my small Toyota Corolla to Dunkaronofin. Stayed there for three days to do that story. I didn't have 250 Ghana cities on me at the time. Uh, um, uh, let me bring in um, Benjamin. Benjamin, you you have a very interesting story because you worked for Radio Adai, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Correct. Okay, so that is like, you know, what Kweku was talking about. Uh, before, of course, then you started working for us here. And g give us a background. What, what, how bad was it then? What was your story then? And, and then contrast that with what, what you currently are in the U.S. working as a journalist, correct? Yes. Okay. That's true. Give us a contrast. Well, thanks, everyone. Um, I think uh, Kweku um, and the earlier contributor also highlighted some of the issues relating to media. Uh, at Radio Adan, I must say, 
there are a category, different categories of uh, reporters, and I'll give you that example. And in fact, uh, mind you, presently we have, I guess, the last count, almost over 30 community radio stations. So Radio Adam operates as a community radio. Um, and out of that, I think Radio Adam ranks, it's, Radio Adam is the first community radio, by the way. And it's also one of those that I think, in terms of caring for their staff, have been doing pretty much better um, and this is, but again, it comes in ranges. We have people who are community correspondents who go to the field whose job is all more, more like the stringers. And so they bring in stories. And so some are paid per story. I've been out of there for a while now, so I can't tell. But in my time, certainly, um, I compare myself to other journalists in the country, and I think Radio Adan was not doing badly. So, so how much, were you, how much were you earning then? Huh. Good question. I think at the time, I would say, even corresponding for joy, and Kwekwe was super interestingly hit on that. Corresponding for joy, I think uh, Radio Adam was doing better because uh, as um, at the time I, I rose to the editor, and I think I was on something around 500 Ghana cities, <laughs> which today is about like a hundred dollars or less, I guess. Um, so, but so, then, yes. so means that if a hundred dollars today, that was 700 cities. <laughs> that's what you that's correct. What you, yeah. Wow. So yes, definitely. And in fact, as I was saying, this is even um, among the community radio. Uh, I mean, you were, you, were the, you were the best paid. You were the best paid. One of one of the one best. One of the best paid. Okay. Yes. So. And which is not, we did not even truly vary from my colleagues who were even in mainstream media. And Evans, I was just, just last night, I was sharing this and those in Ghana probably would have seen it on my Facebook page about this research I've been doing. I've spoken, as of now, I've spoken to almost 50 Ghanaian journalists. And I was surprised at their level of education. The average is holding a degree. Compare ourselves to someone holding a degree to, let's say, someone in business or someone in um, banking or someone in tech or someone in any other industry, you wouldn't be paying them something around 1,000, 1,500 Ghana. And I'm sure, I'm happy Kemeni is mentioning this, Evans. I became tired of that. No, but, but, but Benji, you raise a very important point that we need to stress, that the quality in terms of the education, journalists now yes. are far better educated than before. Correct. A lot of them are master's yes. holders, uh, are degree holders. Um, mm -hmm. uh, very few, in fact, are diploma holders now. And yet, the, pay, mm -hmm. the, the conditions are so poor. And we need to stress that. That people think that and indeed, we are Evans, all just indeed, know, Evans, certificate can, holders. Yes, and indeed, we can compare that to our... Look at our politicians, those we are electing to parliament. I know many of them who are now trying to do top-ups in paying expensive money at the Ghanaian expense to go and do a certificate in, in leadership in Harvard or in Gimpa or in any other institutions. Some of them do not even have certificates in, in before we elected them into office. So in terms of quality of education, several of our journalists are way ahead. And you rightly said, this is a fourth estate. What do we mean when we keep throwing away the word fourth, fourth estate? We are saying journalism not only educates and informs. We also simultaneously act as a watchdog. We also sort of fill the information gap between President Akufuadu, between Parliament, between the other real uh, uh, institutions of government and the citizenry. Imagine a day without the media. President Akufuadu will be, <laughs> his, I guess his rating will fall by several hours. Okay, and yet, um, though he may not necessarily have the same love for, let's say, Harun Idrisu as opposition in Parliament, he respects Harun Idrisu because he knows that Harun Idrisu plays a role. Same way the media and those in government must see us, not because we are filling information gap for them, but they must equally champion our cause, raise at least, and, and again, Evans, I come since it's multi-layers and I know we are also many on the platform. Let me just mention this briefly, which is also, I'm glad that Gayhad is joining us. And I'm hoping that as a, as a group, the GJA, existing leadership of the GJA, we must have to begin to find a way to advocate again in terms of putting us on a minimum pay range. And I've seen colleagues from here, Evans, who have finished, I finished um, NYU, New York University with them. And several of them have been, have been employed at top rated positions. People are paying $5,000, a minimum. To, to, I okay, mean, you mean, so, so, so that, that, that's the next one. And very briefly on that, 
you've given us a background and how bad it was when you were in Ghana. How is it there? You're saying that entry-level journalists in the U.S. from those you graduated with there and $5,000 minimum. Evans, uh, they have, America is quite, that's also where the, the institutions support. There, there's a pay scale. So like anyone coming in with a master's, a minimum they are paid a year is about $60,000. $60, and it rises all the way up to about 120000 So when you calculate it, people are almost take home pay, it's almost getting to $5,000. Okay, of course, it's a compete. It's a very competitive um, um, space, but they look at what you have, you are bringing, and if you have educated yourself to a master's level, no employer is going to pay you something below fifty thousand dollars. Okay, and it's of course because it falls within the pay scale, and this is where I think our institutions, the GJA, the Media Commission, will all have to insist that there is a properly structured pay scale okay. when it comes to the media. We'll, we'll come to how you resolve this. But let me bring in Kemeni. Kemeni has a similar story. Kemeni, so you, you talked about what is happening locally. But then when you made a move to the U.S., what, what, what was the contrast? What contrast did you observe? So I just want to piggyback off from where Benjamin left with, you know, the pay scale. Now, that pay scale is also um, subjective to you know, the market where you find yourself. So if you find yourself in a higher market, you're likely to be paid a salary than a wage. And so then you find figures like the 60,000 to what 120,000 he spoke about. Now, if you find yourself in lower markets, you are, you're likely, sorry, if you find yourself in a higher market, you would receive a salary. And if you find yourself in a lower market, you're li more, most likely to receive a wage. And so you'd be paid on an hourly basis. Now, your hourly at the end of the month or bi-weekly will be nearing what he's mentioned. But definitely, the conditions are not the same in the cities. And so you will not get what someone in uh, New York City is getting or somebody in Atlanta or somebody who's working for brands like CNN and NBC or CBS or even the VOA. But um, what you also find in these lower markets is they do as much as possible to make sure that you're working within your eight hours. Now, if you go be beyond your eight hours for whatever reason, you are paid per the hour you have spent on work. We don't have that here. Evans, you and I know that we have worked 12, 15 hours overnight and nobody has given us overnight pays. Nobody has given us extra hours. Why? Because they do not have respect for our time. Media owners in Ghana, um, neutral managers behave as if, they, as if they own you anytime they employ you. But you don't own me. It's a transactional relationship. I give you my service and you can pay me for the skills that I have offered you. And it is within an eight-hour window. Let's stay with that. If I work beyond that eight-hour window, you better figure out how you're going to pay me the extra hours. But no, they don't do that because they don't respect us. They don't respect the skills that we've gathered. They don't respect the experience. Because when you go, someone else, less experienced, will be put there and they'll pay the person less. And so then it becomes your problem. And it's gone on for too long in this country. I'll tell you something else. Besides the fact that, you know, they respect your time, they respect your skills, you also find that, look, they give you a lot more than just the wage or the salary. People actually care about your mental health. And so when you take time off work, nobody makes you feel as if you're doing something awful. And so you are healthy all the time when you're going to work. You are refreshed. You have great ideas. And that feeds into the news product. And that is what we don't do here. And then we keep complaining we are not making money. Journalists are not working hard enough. How do I come to work, work hard enough and still give you the kind of news product that you require for people to invest their money, for advertisers to come on board because they love what they're seeing, they love what they're reading, they love what they're hearing. And so you, media owners need to start to rethink how they treat us. You don't own us. Passion does not pay our bills. Passion does not pay our bills. The fact that we are passionate does not mean you should take advantage of it. The fact that we are passionate does not mean you should take advantage of it. And mind you, Evans, not everybody becomes a producer. Not everybody becomes an anchor. There are times that I've had to give people money. Because camera technicians are not treated well and they are integral part of television. Because reporters will go out and they are hungry. How do they write you a good story? 
I was talking about how they make sure that you work within your eight-hour window. They provide you the tools. So you come back from your assignment. You come back from your assignment, and you're not going to wait long line to edit your story, which will take you beyond your eight hours. You sit down and edit your story. If you have to edit with somebody, you do it real quick. So you can go home. If you're working beyond your eight hours consistently, which they, they also want to avoid because it costs a lot, a lot of money to keep people on the job. So what they will do then is they will sit you down and ask you, is there anything I can do to help you? How many newsroom managers do that? So, How many newsroom managers will call you and tell you, I think you're, you're working for too long. And so let's try and figure out how we can keep your hours short. No, when you're working too long, that is when they think you are the best worker. How on earth? So, so you, touch, on you touch on something there that I, I also want to throw to Gary. Two things. And you, you're beginning to get to a point I, w I wanted to introduce the conversation to, which is, why is it that bad locally? You've touched on, you know, ownership and, and just a lack of appreciation of the value. But you also move to the area that I think is interesting, which is it's just not about the pay. It's more than that. It's also about um, the, the conditions within which you work, generally the tools, the resources, the ability to appreciate uh, how to get the best out of the employees. But, but, but Gary, I mean, you, you certainly have done this job for so long. You work in the different aspect of this, you know, sports journalism. You travel the world. I, I can't believe that you shared the thoughts. Well, what's your own thoughts on, on, on the conversation we are having about why we, the, the World Press Freedom Index measured that for the first time and, 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 see, and saw that we are 47% poor uh, in terms of that indicator. Well, what would you put this down to? Well, Evans, um, you, you called me to be part of the show because of a story. Yeah, actually. that that's story. Tell me that story, in fact, because I want to get to that about 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 what the, the what people think about us, right? And it, it, it references to what people tell us about our jobs. Share that story. I mean, so I mean, I completed the search in two thousand and five, and I mean, I had had admission um, to university admission. And, you know, we're getting ready to get me to uni. And in the period between when my results came out and then the university admission, I was at home and I was introduced to a, a newspaper man, you know. And because I had a proclivity for writing and stuff like that, I just started, it was a small newspaper that was beginning. And I wrote a couple of pieces, he liked it. You know, he asked me and because I was at home, and you know, Laboni Labadi boy. I was going out. My dad said, um, Charlie, go and join them, and you know, so that I'll stay off the street and following the area boys, that sort of thing. Within a, a week or two, it became clear that I was very good at this thing because you know, I was on the Persec editorial board. I had a very good grounding for it. Long story short, I, came, I come home one day and I tell my dad that I want, I don't want to follow because I was a science student, the science part, and I think that. You know, the science thing was a chore because most of my family had gone into that direction. So you know how it is. Oh, everybody and are good in school, so you need to go and do something. You know, and I wasn't bad at it. But when I entered journalism in that small space, that those few weeks, I knew that I was sort of born for this thing. All right. So when I, I tell my parents, then one of my aunts, you know, who was at um, former GFIC, we transitioned into TV3 for maybe 20-something years. And I had been going to TV3 before it was even formed. So I knew all the people there. And in, to be honest, I didn't want to be a journalist because of what I was seeing. And this aunt saw me when my dad complained to her that, Charlie, your boy said he won't become a journalist or something like that. And my aunt said, On a journalist, me a shoe pack of under. Oh my goodness! Oh, oh goodness, Gary. So wait, have you seen a journalist whose shoes have sold that are intact before? And look, I will, I will never ever forget that because my my aunt is late. She died a year later. 
oh, Gary's connection is failing. But but that's a, Gary, we, we lost you there. But but that, that that's a very powerful story of. And let me at this point let me bring Anil Sabute. Anil Sabute, thankfully, you're no longer in this profession. You claim to be so, but you are in the corporate world. You have two lovely children now. Um, if they come to you and they say they want to be journalists, would you give them the same advice Gary's aunt gave him, or you encourage them to do so? I to take me for granted. I well, can you hear me? Can you uh, sorry, Gary, we, we we lost your connection briefly. Yes, let, let Gary wrap up. Yes, I mean, I'll come I'm to you with that question. Is the reason why it is a guiding like? Okay, all right. So I, I don't know if, I, if you can hear me. One, two. I, I can hear you. Yes, I can hear now. Yes. Yeah. So I, I'm saying that, and uh, there are so many people on the call. I just want to contribute by saying that has been my guiding light in the following ways. One, from the very beginning, it informed the kind of people I had as mentors. I have always taken mentors in this profession who marry their passion with an eye for the entrepreneurial bit. That is to say, monetizing their crafts, which is why I, I never stayed anywhere for too long. If I saw that my conditions of service were not good, I tried my very best to lay the foundation and I walked. Very interesting. Very, very interesting contribution there about your, your personal the very beginning yes Gary we, we lost you again Gary hold you on know, so mm -hmm. my fa yes my Go, family supported me you know I, my, I started working yes I started working internationally before I came into the local media I started working internationally before I came into the local media because I was advised by, by, by my seniors that look if you want to do journalism a certain way in this country, and that is why, you know, when I went to my first employer, CTFM, it got to appreciated financially enough. Multimedia came calling, and I walked. Hmm. I had certain agreements with multimedia, which is why today, you, have, you know how I work, even at multimedia. I mean, I keep all my international gigs close to me because I want to have a certain lifestyle for my family. And the very day I feel like Multimedia is not meeting those obligations to me as much as I am giving the company. I will work. So that is that 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 goes to how you survive and do uh, better for yourself and family as a journalist. That this job alone cannot sustain you. You have to find a way of surviving beyond this. I knew to that question that Gary touched on and what he was told. You were answering that question. Yeah, Evans, I think that first and foremost, uh, it is the journalism that somewhat uh, paved the way for me to be where I am. Uh, in as much as maybe I have serious issues with respect to uh, salaries or the conditions of service, for example. Uh, I don't know what the future will hold if my kids grow up and they feel like wanting to do that. I will give them a, a very sound advice as a parent, but I will never stand in their way because even as as their age, I can see, for example, that where in your head you may think that, oh, my children want to be lawyers or something like that. The kind of thing that they play with, I have completely different from what in my head I have, you understand. But I think that... Um, but, 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 but I'm curious, I'm curious, Ani. Why, yeah. why did you leave the profession? I didn't leave the profession. Uh, so the truth is, when, it, when, when I came back from the state temporarily, I was doing some website work. And then the, the opportunity came for me to have uh, an experience in a different place. Remember, I used to do a couple of gigs for the BBC, and I've been and I've done a lot of oil, oil and gas stories. So when uh, I got a job to go to the National Petroleum Authority, I, I felt like it's a public service. First and foremost, I've never had an experience in public service before, and it's completely different, no mainstream journalism. So let me just go there and see how. It works, and uh, and in the first few years, my work was basically to interact with with, with journalists. So, uh, in charge of uh, PR related stuff. So I wasn't mainstream, but I I, I was still doing the work. So it's, it's like um, a different layer of me, but I have not necessarily uh, abandoned the profession itself. I mean, this day and age of social media, I'm extremely. Um, I'm an integral part of the growing um, trend in social media, but I do not necessarily do mainstream, like go to the courts when I was at Joy FM, I used to do. 
uh, one of the things about condition service, and I think this is not the first time that it has come up, but for me, sometimes the failure or the failures are that even as young reporters, we, we complain a lot about the conditions of service. And then when we transition into management, we tend to forget about the conditions and we feel like, okay, I have gone through the mail, so somebody will also come. And for me, that's the difficulty. Look, we'll complain as much as we want, but it's not the public that will pay us. It is our employers. And like Kemeni said, for example, is the employer even aware of the conditions under which you work? But, but Ali, isn't it also fair to ask the question that mm -hmm. is, uh, are the employers also making enough so to put them in a position where they can pay us what we believe we are worth because it isn't it generally that the media is where we poorly paid because the institutions we work for are simply not making enough and that that's a general market that is possibly the real reason that this is what it is you think there's a point there it's a legitimate uh, uh what you call argument to make but the point is i mean if you you're a business owner for example you you, you need to know your staff strength and how much you can pay them are you going for quantity or you're going for quality for example I mean, today, as we speak, there are more than 50-plus radio stations in Ghana, right? Uh, how many of them, especially junior staff, are even paid beyond 500 in terms of their salary scale? Some, some reporters live as far as Dodoa and beyond. Do we even care about the conditions that they're working? Uh, can we talk about the fact that it's not necessarily the salaries, but even in terms of training? When was the last time a senior reporter was even put on a training, a foreign training abroad? Because they can't afford it. I mean, most media houses cannot simply afford to do that. So why are you operating there? You understand what I mean? So then somebody will come, use the platform as a vehicle. If you are self-motivated, you would like to move on. I remember myself, you, and a lot of people, for example, at the time people were gravitating towards left. We want to be right because there were a couple of things that we were aspiring to. We look at BBC reporters like, okay, I want to get there. So you work towards that. You understand what I mean? So the journalism that you practice or you're practicing now is completely different from somebody who wants more or less like uh, want to be a superstar in the field without putting in the work. I know you, Evans, and I know the amount of work that you put in and the level of integrity that you have built for yourself and you continue to build for yourself. Mm. Others will not necessarily do the same way. You understand? So maybe for you at a certain level, you will make your money. A majority of the reporters in the field are not properly paid. I mean, um, Elvis gave a, a scenario about the British uh, guy who murdered the... Yeah, who, uh, who was, who was, spe the, was, the, the, was the, spending the, using the, the company's credit card. Exactly. And you and I have done a lot of stories for foreign media organizations. And we are paid well. And I can and uh, let me say from today, for example, the very first time I built my house, all the proceeds I got <laughs> were purely from foreign works. Yeah, I mean, so, so the, 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 the point you're making is that if you're still doing pure Ghana journalism, there's no way you'd have built a house for yourself. I would not be in a position to even buy 10, 10, 10 bucks of cement. <laughs> 10, 10 bucks of cement. I need to stay with me. Let me connect to Gay Hat now. Let's let's get some, let's drill down to the to the solution. So we know what the problems are. We know the challenges, the economic conditions that that, that, we, that we face. Gehad is seeking to lead the Ghana Journalists Association. Gehad knows the problem. He, he, he's, um, uh, he's practiced before. Now he wants to be in the leadership. So Gehad, you've had all the, the complaints about, about how poor we, we've paid, the reasons for it. You seeking to lead us. What, what, what's, what's your big solution to this age-old problem. The the National Media Commission chairperson on, on PMS presidency suggested that maybe we should join the TUC and become a, a union that we could we could you know bargain and, and with, with employers etc. Oh, what's what's your solution? Thank you. Thanks a lot, Evans. Um, let me start by saying quickly that we we tend to think or tend to suggest at times that the conditions of service of journalists, particularly those in the private media, as uh, as a result of the unpreparedness of owners of media to pay them properly. Um, whilst I wouldn't contest that, I think we also need to understand what the realities are, particularly with journalists that um, 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 Ben Pab referred to, for instance. 
for journalists in the rural areas and for those who work with community radio stations, let's bear in mind the motivation for even setting up those radio stations in the first place. There are a lot of those radio stations who were set up by individuals out of passion and interest. Strictly speaking, those stations are not business concerns. They were, as I said, out of passion, out of interest. Let's also not forget the government angle in all this. Look, if our regions and communities and districts were to be well-developed, if we were able to spread commerce and trade across the country, then the community radio station in Adan would be able to make enough revenue and be able to pay its staff well. Fact is, most of these community and rural radio stations or media houses do not even break even. That's a fact. And I thought I needed to put that out. And then let's go to what we are talking about in terms of the solutions. Look, I see the solutions from two different angles. One, government has a responsibility in this. Two, we as professionals also have a responsibility in this. What do I mean? I think that government should start considering news and the and the products that we put together as public good. One of us made reference to that, I think it's quick, and that is what we do. It is public good. Every government, every politician exercise their responsibility through the media. What we do, despite the fact that there is a commercial value put to it, is public good. And when I say government should start recognizing media as public good, what I mean is that we need to start looking at the various interventions that government ought to make in order to ensure that if media product is public good, it is acknowledged as such. What about the taxes that we pay on newsprints, on ink? What about the taxes that we pay on the print, I mean, the printing machines that we import? Why do we still have such taxes on such suppliers, the purpose of which is to produce public good and the purpose of which is to help government to govern? That is one area where I think government ought to come in. And government also need to start seeing the media as partners in national development. I think we've played too much lip service to this concept of media as partners. And very often when it is said or it is mentioned, it is just to placate us. Very often when we are referred to as a fourth estate of the realm, it is just to placate us. I think we need to give meaning to the media as partners in development and to the media as the fourth estate of the realm. If we are partners in development and if we are the fourth estate of the realm, then there's a certain responsibility from society. There's a certain responsibility from government which so far has been checked let me move quickly to what i think that we as an association should do and i've taken notice of the reference to unionization and association with the tuc and all that look we seem not to be clear as to what we are as professionals or as a professional body if i should put it that way do we want to be a union or do we want to be the professional body that sets standards for the practice of journalism in this country? It is a debate that has not been resolved up to today. And I think until we resolve that debate, it will be difficult for us as a professional association to determine the role that we can play in this entire conversation of... May, I, may, I, disagree? may I disagree a little with Gerhard Evan, if you don't mind? Yes, please, briefly. On two things. One, about the media as a public good. That's a, and a fantastic point. And I, coming from Radio Ada in a community, community radio sees the media as a public good. And so it approaches it that way as a non-profit. So it's also important to find categorizations when it comes to media. You can't treat joy the same way you treat Radio Ada. I think um, I saw examples in Europe, in Denmark, for example, where the same way government of Ghana will not make GBC, for example, to pay electricity bill or maybe water bill. I don't know how it goes into so much. But elsewhere, community radios have a bit of a waiver in terms of how come a station in the north, one of the radio stations, in, I think Radio Nandom or so, they had to close down because they couldn't pay their electricity bill. So yes, Gayhard, it's, it's important to say uh, we have to find a way the state to support. But I think categorization is important. Secondly, 
unionization. We cannot wait to so unionize because with me. We are no. But I'm just saying yes. But in the, but where I, I disagree with is the unionization. We cannot wait for unionization before we fight for the interests of uh, journalists. And this I is where the state. So, no, I know. I'm just I'm, I'm just bringing. Let I'm just bringing a different. I'm just bringing a, a different perspective. About yeah, may, may I land and you can you can just a second. You you wrap you wrap up. It's not the point that I raised. Yes, no, I was going to make the point, which is important: the fact that yes, um, where in where law works, there is a minimum wage, and Ghana we have a minimum wage. All we have to do is that our institutions abide by the laws of the min of the state, which is grant every journalist who is a worker the minimum wage and if they don't do we want to force our employers okay. and so, the media are no exception so 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 so, 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 so Benjamin, Benjamin, before we fight for that okay so Benjamin stay with me let, let, let me get um Geha to wrap up Geha, you're making a substantive point about you know your thoughts on G gj and what we can do uh with the unionization bit yeah thank you very much so i have not suggested that we should unionize i have just said that there are two debates that we have currently one is about unionization and one is about whether the GGA should set itself up as a body responsible for professional standards in this country. Benjamin, the point I was going to make before you came in was that, look, the GGA has operated for the past 17 years, 70 years, 7-0. We don't even as of now have a law backing the establishment of the Ghana Journalist Association. We don't. We have been in existence before the Institute of Public Relations, before the Advertisers Association, before the Chartered Institute of Marketing Ghana, before the Institute of HR Practitioners. These are institutions that have made progress in putting together a law that supports the existence of the association and sets out the areas in which the association will operate. This is something that we need to start thinking about, and it will help us to determine how we're going to position ourselves. The issue of Salary spine, I think, is very critical. As Benjamin said, and as he was also supported, look, countries that have sorted out their salary structure have various levels at which individuals or employees are accommodated. If you come with a degree or with a master's, there is a certain threshold beyond which you will not go. But as the argument was made, a lot also depends upon the industry in which you operate. And so despite the fact that you have a degree in journalism and somebody has the same degree working with a corporate organization, you might not end up getting the same salary. However, there is a threshold. We don't have a well-defined salary structure in this country that offers us that threshold, that safety net that journalists will fall within. And it is also because as an association, we have been weak. We have been weak in pushing for some of these things. We have become an association of events, an association led by events. Let me ask you, has the association ever sat down to think, what are the three important things that we want to achieve for our members, and how are we going to go about it? We are strategy-less, we are vision-less, we are agenda-less, and I think that Part of the problems that journalists today experience in terms of conditions of service is what I call the agendaless association that we have. We don't seem to think about, look, for instance. So, so, so briefly, in a minute, um, Gayhard, just in wrapping up, give me bullet for me your three quick top points to address this poor working condition, poor salaries that journalists currently have to endure. Very quick, three bullets. So, one, government must acknowledge that the media is a public good and put in place interventions that would support the media in terms of how it comes by its supplies, um, its raw materials, its input. Okay, I think that is very important. If that is done, it will release some fair amount of money for media owners to deploy elsewhere. Two, government must democratize their spend on the media. I think that there is enough studies that seem to suggest that media spend tend to focus on certain media houses. That ought to be looked at critically. Three, government needs to develop real partnerships with the media, partnerships that deliver value to government and partnerships that deliver economic value or economic or return on investment to what the media houses are, are doing. Okay. And probably the last point, we need to reposition our professional association properly. I can hear brilliant people speaking here, Benjamin, Gary Altsmith, Mohammed. are you members of the Ghana Journalist Association? What is your contribution to the reposition of this association? Mm, okay. What is 
your position in the current crisis is in the association friends itself most of you brilliant are apathetic to the interest of this professional association that we all belong okay so i, I get your point about collective responsibility geha thank you let me quickly wrap this up uh, and get a quick thoughts of Mohammed. Mohammed, um, so you've had the Ghana problem. I mean, um, the taken from the World Press Freedom Rankings and how poorly we're scored on economic indicators. I wonder, I mean, our, our West Africa big brother. I mean, is it is it better there? Because I get the impression that the Nigerian media is is, is far better equipped, resourced, and I guess also well paid. Yeah, I thought I've been forgotten on this show actually. Uh, <laughs> but it's fine listening to uh, brilliant voices over there. Uh, but the, the reality of it is the fact that, uh, like I mentioned in my intro earlier, you know, Ghana and Nigeria were so, 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 uh, you know, almost the same in almost everything. Whatever happens in Accra happens in Lagos. Unfortunately, it's the same in this respect. In terms of journalist welfare, in terms of journalism practice here, I tell you, there are big media houses in Nigeria that are known internationally, but that will not pay salaries even up to six months. Yeah, they don't pay their staff up to six months. They don't pay journalists. In fact, there is a popular, I don't want to mention them anyway, but there is a popular entrepreneur here who is so big, has one of the biggest media houses in Nigeria, has a television station that is international. He is notorious for telling his journalists to say, if you carry the ID card of this company, that's enough for you. So sometimes they go six months, seven months, eight months without pay. You understand? And what does that gives rise to? That gives rise to quack journalism. You know, I, I sometimes you wonder, you open our pages, our newspaper pages for even up to a week. There are no investigative journalism. All what you see there are mere press releases, if I may, if I may use that word. Because you, know, you, need, to, because you need to down. chop. I mean, you need to chop. I mean, yeah. you have to do the story you know, that I can give you as we call it. Where somebody will call uh, one or two journalists and spew nonsense, I'm sorry, and then, you know, gives them uh, what we call brand envelope, and they go to publish, and that's all. You understand? But again, I think one of the things we have not, I've been listening to speakers, one thing we have not really hammered on is the fact that I know in journalism school, I was taught that, you know, the uh, media strives on advert, advertorials. You understand? If you want to have a balanced media, it has to be like, not even 50-50, it has to be 60% adver adver advertisement and then 40% editorial. But I tell you today, you open Nigerian newspapers, you listen to um, our radio stations and TV stations and so on. Uh, because of the economic downturn, you hardly can find two full-page news uh, advertorials in our media. And that, you have a whole lot of high cost. But again, if you know there are challenges in these areas, why set up these media organizations in the first place? And that brings us to the fact that in Nigeria, most of our media organizations, whether TV, radio, newspapers, majorly, actually, 40 to 50 or even 60% of, of our media organizations are set up because of politics. You know, there's a money bag somewhere that wants to well, contest the, 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 the same, It's the same here too, I guess. We've seen it in yes, the report, yes, yes. That, that wants to contest for whether a governorship or a presidency uh, in, in, in the next two, three years, he feels the best way to project his ambition is to own a newspaper that will just be singing about his praises here and there, whether true or not. And before you know, they are unable to pay salaries. So, but there, there, there are a whole lot of challenges which revolves around all this that we need to look at. And I, I agree with Gehard as well. If as a union, you understand, you put your foot down to say there must be at least a minimum wage. Like I mentioned earlier, there is only one newspaper, for instance, in Nigeria.